Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, this morning, it's probably one of my favorite hallmark, foundational, if you will, subjects in the whole Bible, Revelation, that, that went off in me many, many years ago that just solved a lot, of, a lot of mysteries, a lot of riddles that I had about the Christian faith and gave me such a solid foundation. And uh, it's one of my go-back-to frequently, as frequently as I can, uh, foundational um, uh, revelations from the Word of God. And I've entitled this morning's message, Shutting the Mouth of the Lion. Shutting the Mouth of the Lion. And as we unpack this, I'm sure you'll, you'll understand more of what that means. Several years ago, I was invited to preach in Africa, and I've always, always wanted to go to Africa uh, just to go on a safari and to go to a big game park and to, you know, see the big five, the, the rhinoceros, the elephant, the giraffe, uh, and uh, the hippopotamus, and of course, the king of the jungle, the lion. And on the, the game park that we went, we drove around in a rented car up in uh, the northern part, north of Johannesburg. And it was amazing stuff. Got to see these, you know, herd of elephants uh, told just don't, don't get them upset because they can do damage to the car. Some elephants years ago took a guy's car and as he was videoing, they smashed it and he videos his own death. And I'm like, that ain't going to happen. So keeping the car, you know, revved up, keeping distance and everything else. And then it's like Jurassic Park, you know, then uh, these big giraffes coming through there. You know, and I'm like, this is so amazing. Uh, and, and then, of course, uh, the, the most dangerous, of course, is hippos. They actually kill more people than anybody in Africa. I don't know if you knew that. They look like they're cute and everything, but get in the water with one, and you'll be gone. Uh, so I didn't do that. Saw the little heads poking up and, and rhinoceros and others. But uh, the one thing that was missing was the king of the jungle, the lion. He wasn't there in the natural. We didn't see him out, out in the open. So we thought, we haven't come this far to not see the lion. So we found uh, some lions that were contained in, in a, uh, like a park for lions and went there to look at them. And there was a big fence separating us and the lion, thank God. Uh, and, and our son Mitch, he probably would have been about 10 or something at the time. And of course, as kids do, talking about me, uh, I rattled the fence and, uh, you know, we're yelling at the lion and the lions are over there kind of like sitting there looking at us, these, these fools, you know, who's, who's the one in the zoo and, and, uh, and yelling and doing all. And then all of a sudden, this massive cat, he got up. And he charged at us, charged the fence. And I thought, this little fence is not going to hold this thing. And this big thing comes, you know, charging at us. And I was like petrified. But the most petrifying thing that, that went right through me was when it roared. Uh, and now I know what the Bible's talking about, the roar of a lion, when it talks about the lion of the tribe of Judah and, and all the things that God, you know, is when it comes to like uh, an animal that represents kind of the kingdom of God and, and, and who God is, his amazing power, uh, that roar of a lion. I don't know if you've ever heard that or not, but uh, it just like re reverberated and just, I just about wet and did other things in my pants. And I just like turned around, <laughs> absolute fright. Mitch was already gone. Like we were hoofing as fast as we could to get away from the fence where that thing was. And it stopped just looked at us and it's like, okay, don't do it again. I hope you've learned your lesson. 
Uh, but how do you shut the, the mouth of a lion? Well, the Bible says this concerning you and I. It says that the righteous, that's you and I, are as bold as a lion. How bold are you? And, uh, and, and the fact that you are a, a, a lion from the tribe of Judah who, who represents you, you are a follower of him, we, we should be so bold when it comes to our confession and our, our, our overcoming problems and our, our approaching the throne of God and, and our attitude towards life. And yet, I see so many believers, so many lions, if you will, that are so timid. Something has shut their mouth. They're not proclaiming the promises of God. They don't have a, a bold witness at work or out in the uh, marketplace or in, in, in life in general. Uh, we, we tend to be kind of the quiet minority and just stay in your place in today's age of PC and everything else. You just got to keep, you know, keep your mouth shut. Don't, don't roar. Don't do anything. Uh, just kind of blend in with society. That's another animal. That's not the lion. And so this morning... Uh, as I ask myself that question, why? Why is it that there's so much timidity in, in the body of Christ and we're not really standing out? Now, I'm not talking about standing out being imbeciles and, you know, arguing with people and being, you know, a clown or something like that. But there's, there's power in, in the life of a lion. But what shuts the lion's mouth? I begin to think about what it is that uh, so many people struggle with as believers in our, in our Christian walk. And my conclusion isn't so much that we struggle, uh, you know, just with prayer or we struggle with just sin or we struggle with, uh, you know, just being a, a witness per se and sharing our faith, you know, even obnoxiously with people, which should never happen. But I think that one of the things that we struggle a lot with, and I'll just put my own name in there, that I struggle a lot with over the years, is just believing as a believer that I'm a believer, because sometimes my lifestyle doesn't add up. And sometimes when I haven't added up or I haven't measured up, let me put it that way, then I, I, I sometimes get some doubts that maybe I don't even believe this stuff. I'm the pastor. Uh, sometimes I, I, I don't believe it's so much sin, but sometimes we believe that we're a sinner and not a believer. Sometimes we don't know that we're a saint. Sometimes we don't believe that we're a lion. And to be a lion and to behave like a lion, you have to believe that you are one. To be a believer, you need to believe I am a believer, not, not based on my track record. And so this morning's message is very much about unshutting the mouth of, of the lion and, and getting our boldness back into, that, into our, our life. I, I, uh, I love the fact, again, that the Bible says the wicked man flees, Proverbs 28.1. It says, the wicked man flees, though no one pursues. But the righteous, and this is a key word here, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Who shot or what shots the mouth of the lion? Well, the Bible says this. It says that we have an adversary, and he thinks he's a lion says, Satan, your adversary goes about like a roaring lion, not, not that he is one, seeking whom he may devour. So he's not a lion, but he's a liar. 
And he lies, and his lies can be frightening. They can uh, be very convincing. What, what if? What if? You know, what if the economy goes bad, and and, and your retirement plan fails? And you, you know, what, what if? What, what if it's cancer? What, what if? What if you lose everything? And 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 is is. Modus operandi is just to gender up fear and get all these thoughts going on there to convince you that, he, that he's a lion. But Jesus handled him very handily, I might add. He, he, uh, he handled that mouth of a liar that, that's not a lion, that pretends like a lion and goes about roaring with, uh, it is written. Uh, I believe that we need to know the word of God. We need to know, to know what God says about us, about our life, about our situation, our circumstances, and, and, and claiming the promises of God and, and standing on the promises of God. Uh, uh, otherwise, that will shut the mouth of a believer or a lion. Uh, what shuts the mouth of a, of a believer, and, and how can we get our bowl back when we lose it? Firstly, don't listen to the lies of the liar because he's not a lion. But one of the hardest things to do is to, is to, is to instill, to believe when, when we're, we're, we're not acting a certain way that we are a certain thing. I don't know if you've ever doubted your salvation, but you commit a sin or five or ten and a voice in your head says, well, you're probably not even saved. And, and so the hardest thing to do is to fight your way through that. The Bible says this. It says, fight the good fight of faith and, and lay hold of eternal life. If you're fighting, though, it has to be the right fight. You see, if we're fighting to be right with God, you're fighting the wrong fight. You don't fight a fight that Jesus already fought and won. Now, I like Romans chapter 6, verse 6, and some of these will come up uh, hopefully on the screen, but it says this. It says, for we know that our old self, and I love this, was crucified with him, not is going to be, but was crucified, your old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I believe this, that what shuts the mouth of a lion is the lion that's living or believers that live on the wrong side of the cross. There was a distinctive time in history when Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary, and that's what uh, it's, it's written about in Romans 6, 6, that when he went to the cross, you, your old man, uh, all the transgressions that you commit, all your failings, all your shortcomings, what's called unrighteousness, was nailed to that cross. Quit living on the wrong side of the cross. Start living on the right side of the cross, which is the righteousness uh, of God. You see, my battle is no longer to get right or to be right. My fight is to believe right and to live right. There's a big difference between those two. Someone who doesn't know that they are right is always fighting to look right act a certain way, talk the talk. They're always fighting to feel right, shake the guilt off, shake the shame. The Bible says don't cast away your confidence because it has great reward. Fight 
to enter his rest. What is that rest? It's knowing that you are already as righteous as you could ever get, not based on your track record, not based on, uh, on, on the law and how many times you've broken it, not based on that, based solely on his righteousness that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for you so that you could become the righteousness, I love this, of God in Christ Jesus. So don't live outside of Christ Jesus and certainly don't live on the wrong side of the cross. Jesus didn't fight the hordes of hell because he wanted to prove he was right. God's always right. He doesn't need to prove anything. Have you noticed that? Jesus fought so that you, me, and the whole world could be right. He believed that the fight to save you and I was worth laying down his life for. So your fight's not to be right about something. Your fight is to believe and think right about someone, and that someone is Jesus. So we contend to keep right with what Jesus made right. He went to the cross to make right what was not right about you and me and everybody else. He wasn't out to win an argument. We're, we're not out to win arguments either. We're out to win people. We're not contentious, but we are contenders of the faith, ambassadors for Christ, not to be religious, but to be representatives of righteousness. So we fight not to keep uh, right, but, to, uh, but to, sit, to enter in and to center into what he's already done. I love 1 Timothy 1, uh, 18 and 19. Listen to this. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made over you. So he had words of God spoken over his life, telling him who he is, who he was, and, and perhaps what he's about to do. The prophecies made so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have shipwrecked with regard to the faith. So this rightness with God is called righteousness, just a big word, but it just means right with God. It's easy to fight when you know that you are right. It's easy to fight the lies of the enemy that's trying to shut your mouth and keep you from confessing things and calling things which be not as though they were and speaking out into atmospheres, into situations that need to shift. It's, it's easy to fight uh, and not to shut the mouth of the lie when you know that your position is already right. It's, it's done. D-O-N-E, not do. Somebody said that once. They said if, if the difference between Christianity and, and religion is that Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. He said on the cross, it is finished. Done. You can't add nothing to that, my friend. Your track record, everything else is not adding one, one thing. And, and, and so it's contending to be, not to be uh, right with God, but to stand and to walk in that. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God who made him, who knew no sin, he made him to be sin for us. Isn't that amazing? So that in him, are you in him or is, are you somewhere else? Look, I, I, I know... We sing a lot of songs about Jesus with us and following Jesus and footprints in the sand and he's over there and all, all of that. Still not the right side of the cross, however. Uh, the right side of the cross, he's in me. There's never a time where, where, where I'm separate from him. 
He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, not even to the ends of the earth. In fact, when we were in Africa and I preached at uh, this particular church there, uh, one of the pastors, uh, he said, I I, got to share something with you. You know that scripture when Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, not even to the ends of the earth? I said, yeah, I know it well. He goes, I thought I did too. He said, I had triple bypass surgery, and uh, I think it was like a thing where they took his heart out of his chest and did something to it and uh, and then restarted it, put it back in and everything. And and he said, I I went into the presence of God. I sat there met with Jesus. And he took me on a tour, and he showed me times during my life that I thought he he would have been nowhere to be found. Those were times, he said, where I was walking away from him. I was in sin. He was there the whole time. He showed me that when he said, I will never leave you, it's not like, oh, you're sinning. I'm out of here, man. You know, you're on your own now. Oh, you're being good again? Okay, I think I'll come back in now. No, never means never. Not even till the ends of the earth means not even till the ends of the earth. It's not based on your track record. He's not in and out of your life like a yo-yo based on your track record. Jesus Christ is with you. He sticks closer than a brother. That's why Paul said, I've determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What was he saying? My righteousness is filthy rags. It's not in my track record. It's not in my dues. It's in the done that he's already done it for me. If I don't know anything else, I don't need complicated theology. I just need to be found in him. I need to know that I might know him and and the power of his resurrection to resurrect even the vilest sinner. Uh, Our establishment, our foundation, when it's in righteousness and what he's already done, you are fighting from a position of strength, not weakness. You are a lion. You're not a pussycat trying to become a lion. You're not a jackal or a hyena. You are a lion, and you are from the tribe of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Get the roar back. Who shuts your mouth up? I resolved to know nothing. Nothing. While I was with you, he says, 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. It says in uh, Isaiah 54, I know I'm using a few scriptures here, but I want you to really be established in this. It says in Isaiah 54, 14, it says, in righteousness, not your own, in righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be removed. It will not come near you. See, the best position you can have in a fight is to be in God. For you to lose, God would have to lose. He doesn't lose. He's given you the victory. You are not only an overcomer or a conqueror, you are more than a conqueror because you are in Christ Jesus. Your fight isn't just for what is right, it is from what is right. God, Jesus, just as he le- God is love, God is truth, God is light, God is right, and that righteousness is yours. How easy it is to fight when you know that you are right with God and with yourself. Romans 5, 17, listen to this. For if by the trespasses of one man, that's Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more (laughs) will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift, here it is, the gift of 
of righteousness. See, this is not something that you can earn. It's a gift, and it's bestowed through grace. God gave you his righteousness in exchange for your filthiness. I mean, that's why it's called the good news. Uh, I, I don't know about you. Uh, I was not a good person, and by God's standards, still am not, and neither are you. So when this great exchange was offered, I took it. I just went, man, I, I got that one. Like, that's why it's called the good news. It's almost like it's too good to be true. It's so good. It's such good news that God would actually offer an exchange for my indiscretions, unrighteousness, filthiness, even my good works and my stinking pride that thought I was good enough. He took that on the cross. And he said, now I'm going to give you something here. I am going to give you my righteousness. It's, that's like, wow, perfection. He, he, he's offering that to you, and he's offering that to me. Our freedom is in our righteousness. That's why it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why it says in James 5, 16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Not somebody that feels good because they're walking good, but somebody that is declared righteous. That word can do, I can do uh, all things in Philippians 4, 13. It's the same word as avail that we read in, John, in uh, James 5, 16. Avail means this, to turn to the advantage of. Righteousness has turned the fight to your favor. You are the favorite guaranteed winner. It's easy to fight when you know that you are right with God. It's easy to fight when you know that you're right with others. So when it comes to our fight with others, there's basically two kinds of righteousness. I know I'm covering a lot here, but I want you to hang on, and you can get the tape and, or the podcast and go through this. But there's self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is where we're more aware of who we are outside of God, uh, where we see ourselves as either good or bad at any given time, where we judge others as either good or bad, at any other time. So many people, because they're living on the wrong side of the cross, are living in self-righteousness. Oh, it looks so good. Oh, I'm just a humble servant. Oh, my goodness, you know. You're living on the wrong side. It's not about you. are not the star of the show. You're not the center of history. The Lord is the Lord. Only know him. Not, not your, your own track record has got nothing to do with this. But the second kind of righteousness where we're, by, we're to live by on the right side of the cross, the right side of the righteous side is God's righteousness. Where we're more aware of God's rightness and who we are in him. Where we see ourselves as right and others as upright in his eyes, even though in our own eyes and the eyes of others we're not. Where we see others as right with God even when they don't act that way. So, you know, we have a choice when we see another believer, or a lion, if you will, whose mouth has been shut through shame, and they've fallen through sin, we have a choice. We're either going to look at the righteousness that God established and the gift that he gave to that person and see them as upright, or we're going to confess something on the wrong side of the cross that their track record doesn't measure up. Therefore, now they are unrighteous. Therefore, now they, they're disqualified. And, and, 
We have a choice to pray according to the word of God and to encourage and to restore such a one. That's why I love even our dinner parties are an opportunity to get around people and, and just talk and encourage them and, and, and pray together. The body of Christ needs to be together to pray together. We need each other. Somebody says, oh, God's all I need. Okay, then quit breathing. If he's all you need, you know, I, I know I sing this song and I'm not against it. You know, you're all I need, Jesus, you're all I need. No, I, not quite. I need food, occasional pizza. I need some air. I need water. Uh, there's a few things I need, caffeine occasionally. What about you? It's, it's not about just walking through my life, you know, just being God and, you know, everybody else. And I'm going to, you know, be the Pharisee that looks at everybody, whether they're upright or not, and judge, you know, them. They're going to hell. They were going to heaven. Now they're going to hell today. And maybe tomorrow they're back to heaven again. <sighs> Self-righteousness. It really stinks. So I'm going to close with this, and I'd like uh, our music team to come up. We're going to do communion in a moment. See, every encounter, every encounter Jesus had was contending with these two kinds of righteousness, self-righteousness or God's righteousness in men. The woman caught in adultery, you know, you know the story. Uh, they're, they're about to stone this woman. She's been caught in the very act. <laughs> he gets down in her level, writes in the dirt with his finger. Nobody knows today what he wrote. And then he says, okay, you know, throw the stones if you haven't sinned. If you're self-righteous, you better be pretty good. Throw the, hurl the stones. I'm, I'm down here with her. They all dropped their rocks and walked away. And then he, he and her together rose up. He pardoned her, let her know who she was. The banquet, the Lazarus coming out of the tomb, Mary Magdalene pouring the perfume out, all, all exhibits the righteousness of God and, and what he declares you to be. So my question this morning in closing is, how do you see yourself? Maybe today you haven't really had a big opportunity to sin. It's Sunday morning, so you got up and hopefully have had a pretty good day so far. <laughs> but that doesn't make you any more righteous than you were yesterday or last night, maybe when you didn't live righteously. How, how do you see yourself? How, how do you see other people in your world? People that are seriously, they're, they're, they're fighting. Maybe they're, they're fighting the wrong things, and, and maybe they're contending in, in the wrong arena. But would you fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life for yourself and, 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 and grab a hold of somebody else? Would you get a hold with the penny drop this morning that it's his righteousness that made you right, not your own, and that you can live out of that? You can live a much more powerful life. You can be much bolder as a lion. You can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need when you do stuff it up and blow it, and your conscience, you know, tells you, hey, you shouldn't have said that. You really shouldn't have gossiped about that person, or, you know, you really missed it here. You come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need because the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen? But if you think you're a grub and it's all based on your track record and your self-righteousness, you're never going to approach God. So how do you see yourself, bad or beautiful, fallen or forgiven? How, how do you see other people, bad or beautiful, 
fallen or forgiven. And where do you go and what do you do when you don't look or feel righteous? Well, I'm so glad because he gives us a couple amazing scriptures. I quoted one. Let us approach God's throne of grace. Grace, not judgment, grace, unmerited favor with confidence so that we may receive mercy, not judgment, not condemnation. He didn't come to condemn. Mercy. Everybody say mercy. Come on. Mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And then 1 John 1, 9, we're closing with this. If we confess our sins, see, if we say we don't sin, we're a liar. He says you, you sin. Sin means you miss the mark. You, you're trying, trying to get a bullseye, I hope, but, you know, you miss it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you know, every time I wear a white shirt, not today, and I eat spaghetti, if I wear a black shirt and eat spaghetti, I just know none of it's on the black shirt. But as soon as I wear a white shirt or a light-colored shirt and I eat spaghetti or I drink a cup of coffee, I just know where that's, that's headed. I might as well just carry an extra shirt with me, if, especially if I've got to preach, because I just know it's going to get spotted. And as you are righteous and you walk through this world, you have a robe of righteousness. God's put that on you, but you are going to get dirty walking through this world. Let's just face it. And he gives us a solution for that unrighteous stuff that tends to stick to us as we walk through this life at work and friends and wherever else you're going through life. And, and, and you're not perfect. And nobody says you are. He doesn't say that. But you are righteous. You are in him. And he says if you get anything on that thing, if you get any coffee, if you get any spaghetti splatter on that, I got a solution for you. Just confess it. Come boldly to the throne of grace and mercy. Find mercy in time of need. Let me wash you and cleanse you from that junk and get you back out there. But do not, my friends, lion or lioness, do not let your mouth be shut up. Who shuts the mouth of a lion? Only a liar that you listen to. Don't buy into that. He's not a lion. He is a liar. And God says, you are the righteousness. You are my righteousness. Why don't you exchange that? this morning and get on the right side of the cross. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.